You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and apocalypse prepper. (laughs) (laughs) Bria is fucking ready. This episode, we're talking about apocalypse books. Uh, Yeah, hopefully. It's funny. We're recording this episode on the same day as we recorded last week's episode. So who knows what's going to happen in the world in the next two weeks. It may not be funny in a week or two. Yeah. Or maybe Uh, it'll be very funny. We can't, you can't predict humor. We truly can't. Time versus apocalypse equals comedy. (laughs) But first, what are you reading right now, Bria? Oh, I told you when you came in, I just read a book that you suggested that I I read um, as she climbed across the table. I love this book. By Jonathan Lethem. This is such a, this is such a Bria book. Yeah, it's very Bria book. It's about a woman who falls in love with a black hole. Something we can all relate to. (laughs) She's a scientist. She is a scientist, but it's actually told from the point of view of her boyfriend, Who's um, also, he's a scientist too? No, he's actually like a... Oh, he's just like a normal dude. No, he's a, he works at the university. He is in, he's in like the, he's not a liberal arts, but it's like something along those lines. Um, and uh, maybe more of like a philosophy sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and essentially his girlfriend, who is uh, a scientist, who she did not discover this black hole. Um, someone else did, but then she starts working with it. She... And it, sw- it swallows various things, and it likes yeah, things, and it doesn't called? like things. It's called the null or the void? It's called the lack. The lack. The lack. And um, essentially, it starts swallowing various things, and then she, like, doesn't understand why it doesn't like her, and you find yeah, out Yeah, there's, like, certain happen. objects that, like, when they throw them into the black hole, because it it's, them. like, you know, the size of a, you know, a sewer cover or something, and it's, like, in this lab, and, like, they'll throw a hat in there, and something, like, it'll stay in there, mm-hmm. and then they'll throw a shoe, and it'll throw the shoe back. Yeah, so, like, it'll go right through. They're trying to figure out mm-hmm. why it takes certain items and why it doesn't. She becomes this obs- obsessed with this idea of, like, why... Ev- whether or not it will want her. But she becomes truly in love with it. Yeah. She's in love with it uh, to the point where it's told from this guy's point of view where he doesn't understand, obviously, uh, and she's kind of leaving him for the black hole. Um, that's not telling you too much, um, but it is a really fascinating, fascinating book, sort of about infidelity and also, I think, a about uh what is it code like codependency yeah it's, it's a really a, interesting look at relationships at relationships like sort of like what codependency and like what it's like to be in a codependent relationship it has other examples of codependent relationships and just like the power dynamics within a relationship but also what it's like it's a really weirdly realistic point of view of what it's like i think to have some have to be left for somebody else yeah. Um, like he seems like in denial, like he kind of goes through all these phases. It's great. Um, it's a really interesting, well-written book. It's, um, he also wrote the, that book, the motherless Brooklyn, motherless, not the mother, motherless Brooklyn. Uh, um, I don't know why that's so funny. Uh, um, there's many and, Brooklyns out there. And this, this one is the one. has no mother. Um, but yeah, so what are you reading? Uh, so I still, again, I'm reading a ton of horror and I bought, if listeners remember last year, me and my boyfriend got really into middle grade horror and I, we both bought hey, a yeah. ton of it. Uh, so I'm still going through that stack and I'm reading one of the books we got. Um, it's an own voices book. Uh, it's called the Jumbies by, uh, Tracy Baptiste. Oh, I saw this on your Instagram. Yeah. It's really fun. So the Jumbies are like a real Caribbean folk story. And the jumbies are like a, it's like an umbrella term for a lot of mythological creatures. And like on this island, the forest, like that's where a lot of the jumbies live. And one of the jumbies ends up coming out of the forest to 
wreak some havoc on this girl's family uh, and the, her relationship with her father. And it's very, it's spooky. It's definitely not like, I know I have a high tolerance for horror. It's not super scary, but it's like her and her like friend, all her friends on this island. Um, these like little kids band together and like have to fight off these jumbies. Mm. And it is wonderful. The world building is really, really cool. The writing is great. Uh, great toe dip into the world of middle grade or horror. Both. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. And I just didn't realize when I was uh, reading it, um, but it is a series. So if you love, if you read it and you love this world and you uh, want to know more about Jumbies and the mythology, there are several other books. Uh, Sean is also reading something. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm, I've, I've been reading this for on and off for a little while. Um, I've been reading The Four Archetypes by Carl Jung. Ooh. Uh, Sean, you've been doing a lot of highbrow reading. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll offset it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting reading a book from, um, that was written such a long time ago, because there's obviously, uh, a lot that is really profound and interesting. And then there are certain things every now and again that you come across and you go, Ooh, I do not agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) That, that statement does not fly anymore. But, uh, yeah, I know. Interesting reading, reading that. So that is Four Archetypes by Carl Jung. I am reading The Jumbies by Tracy Baptiste. And I just read As She Climbed Across the Table by Jonathan Lethem. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback about trigger warnings. Uh, a few episodes ago, we had some, we, had, we solved a listener problem about uh, from Megan who wanted to know how much of trigger warnings she should disclose when she's recommending books to friends. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we fell in love with Megan because she cares about her friends so Megan much. Megan was really concerned. We've decided Megan will be the person who holds your hair back when you bark. Megan is probably doing great in the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, she is. She is prepped. She is taking care of her neighbors. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, Megan is doing great right now. Uh, so Amelia wrote in, I totally understand where Megan is coming from with her question because I love super intense and depressing books and a lot of my friends don't. And I love recommending books. Whenever I recommend books lately, I'll ask something like, is there anything you avoid or need advance warning about in a book? And they'll respond with, oh, I can't handle any violence against children or descriptions of people eating make me sick if I'm hungry or whatever it is they don't want. I suppose it could be too personal to ask someone you don't know well for their list of triggers, but for a friend, I'll take care of this. It'll take care of this worry and you can quickly help your friend figure out if your recommendation is a good pick for them. I love that. Um, Lizzie wrote in and said, I adore your podcast. And when I heard your reader problem from today's episode, I knew I had to write in. I identify as a Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I love that now. There's like, because we have a lot of various things for Bria's and Mallory's. Uh-oh, I love we, we, have a a su- we have a subtype, which is the Megan. It's a hard life and I'm often everyone's mom. <laughs> I will, in fact, make sure you get home safe, cook you something greasy and make sure there's enough water and Tylenol by the bed if you drink too much. I handle this problem two ways. <laughs> Wow. Um, I, I just, I want these people in my life. Um, I know the squicks and triggers of the people I talk to about books regularly. And then if I think a thing is worth warning about, I stop it into the conversation about the book. For instance, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, which we both read, uh, was a tough read in some parts because the main character had to had to love it rough sometimes, but I thought it wasn't too gratuitous and really helped build her as a character and explain why she's kind of an asshole to some people. I find people will ask for more or not, depending on if that kind of thing bothers them. 
It can be really hard to know how much to say. Also, I tend to use the term content warning because it's a little less aggressive and covers things that are merely uncomfortable as well as things that relate to gnarly traumas. I'm not saying you're doing it wrong at all. That's just something that has worked for me. We know that uh, Lizzie would never tell us we're doing something wrong. <laughs> we Although, can tell by your personality. People do love to email us and tell us about the things I know, but I don't think Lizzie wrong. ever, ever Not A, a Megan would. would never do this. No, a Megan would never tell you you're doing something wrong, but a Megan would give you a content warning. Yes. I like a content warning because then you're like, yes. it can involve snakes instead of just like a trigger. Yes, I would definitely say I. that's perfect for me. I don't need a trigger warning for snakes. Mm-hmm. I do need a content warning. For yeah, because maybe you can handle it if it's the right book. Yes, well mm-hmm. also content warning I think it's perfect because it puts stuff in context a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's certain, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean just gave me a really funny look. Yes. And people are always surprised by that when they're like, but they're, that book, that movie is full of fucking snakes. And I'm like, but people are fighting the snakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cathartic for me to watch. What better way for me to deal with my fear of snakes than Arnold Schwarzenegger wearing a loincloth. Punching cloth, a snake. Punching a snake. <laughs> very soothing, soothing for me. So I think it's perfect if you put stuff like this in context. Yeah. Interesting. All right. We like that, Lizzie. We, I, and I also love that we now have a new subtitle. I'm Megan. I'm Megan. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. A quick bookmark. Uh, so we're in week two of the Isolation Book Club. Isolation Book Club. We are reading Mask of the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe, which is short and available for free on in ebook and audiobook form. You can just Google it. Uh, Project Gutenberg has the ebook and LibriVox and a lot of YouTube channels mm-hmm. have the free audiobook versions uh we have been uh reading it we're really excited about talking with you about it the live stream is going to go up a few days after this episode comes out on march 29th that's a sunday at 5 p.m pacific time we'll, me and bria will be doing a live stream uh talking about it we're really we're really excited this is a great it's a great post story it's very timely there's a lot of uh, one of the reasons that we picked this is because i think this allows us to talk about things that are happening right now, um, but it's a little bit easier because we're talking about a, a piece of fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So we can kind of deal with a lot of the feelings that we have about what's going on with the coronavirus, but talking about uh, a piece of something that isn't real. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you can follow along uh, updates about it using the hashtag isolation book club on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we will be dropping a link to the live stream in the show notes for this episode, but uh, it'll also be up on Facebook. It'll be up on Instagram. It'll be up on Twitter. If you don't have any of those and want to um, uh, follow along, just email us and we'll send you the link to it. Uh, it'll also be on our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is reading glasses podcast. So before we talk about apocalypse books, we're going to take a quick break. Hello, listeners of Maximum Fun. I want to tell you about our newest podcast that tells you all about the truth of the flat earth. Have you been looking out over the horizon and you've been thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't look round. I've been lied to my whole life. What is NASA doing with $52 million Million a day? day? Uh, uh, come on. We explode the myths. Just kidding. We're Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we investigate extraordinary claims. That's right. We investigate extraordinary claims firsthand. We go undercover in fringe groups. We get alternative medicine treatments. And we hang out with people who have unusual beliefs, like flat earthers, 9-11 truthers. We do ghost investigations. We've joined Scientology. And we got baptized in the Mormon church. If it goes bump in the night... 
then so do we. <laughs> hmm. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? This week, we're still experiencing a national pandemic emergency, so it's time to recommend some apocalypse books. This is the thing that Priya was born wow. to do. Wow. It's actually quite hard for me because I felt like I had too many and I didn't know what to, I feel like what to put in there. That song, Time of Your Life, is like yeah. what, <laughs> flash dance. Is it flash dance song? What's uh, the, is, that time, is, that time, is that flash dance? Dirty yeah, dancing. Yeah, what's that song? Right. But, but what's the song? Is it just I, Time of Your Life? But it's having, you're having the, the time, time of, of your life. life. I don't know if I'm having the time of my life currently. <laughs> well, you are staying inside and eating chocolate. Yeah, that's a good point. I just did order more chocolate. Uh, so, Bria, why do you like reading apocalypse books during a time like this? Preparation. <laughs> Preparation. Three words. Preparation. <laughs> um... What would I do in a pandemic? Apparently, in a pandemic, I will sit on my couch and eat a bunch of chocolate and read some books. Because that's mean. all I've done. Um... Seriously, though, I think I think I have a theory about dystopia. Literally, my friend Cassandra texted me right before this and said, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of dystopia books in the next two or three years. And I was like, agreed. Um, uh, I think the rise of apocalyptic books in the last 10 to 15 years is actually due to the rise of globalism generally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're just more aware of more of various parts of the world and how we play into it. Whereas um, before the Internet, before, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, right, a hundred years ago, yeah. well, maybe not, there was a global war happening then. A hundred and fifty years ago, uh, we, were, we were like, what's my neighbor doing? What am I doing? And then maybe you'd read the paper and be like, they're doing this in Washington. And like, maybe, yeah. right? But now we're on Twitter and we're like, oh, what's we're happening like, everywhere? We're like, Italy is doing this and the city of Italy is doing this and then New York is doing this and my neighbor is doing this and I'm doing this. So I think we're just more aware of like global epidemic. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think that that is in part why they're so popular. I also just want to say like a little, a little note to all the writers and the artists and stuff out there because it's a hard time for all of us. You can tell... When humanity is in crisis, we are watching fucking Netflix. We are reading goddamn books. We are catching up on movies and it is cathartic. And yes. whether or not it's cathartic and we're watching, you know, uh, cheer on Netflix, it's great. You should watch it. Or it's cathartic because we're and we're watching Contagion, which I think is the most popular movie right now, yep. literally. Just know that like art is important. Yeah. These are the reason. This is the thing that humans do. We need this kind of stuff to understand ourselves, yep. to understand what we're going through, and to deal with all of this. I mm-hmm. think it's very important. So if you're at home and you're like, "Why the fuck am I a writer?" You matter, and you are important, and you yes. should keep writing that goddamn book and that screenplay and making the movie and doing whatever you do. Yes. End of speech. Well, that's the thing. It says that I see a lot of people grumbling because a lot of other countries are doing uh, special funds to keep artists going right now. And mm-hmm. they're like, why, why are we paying artists during a time like this? Like, well, what are you fucking doing right now? Are you binging shows? Are you reading books? Yeah. Who makes that stuff? Right. What are you doing? You're not, you're not sitting at home watching the bird feeder, although I am. I was going to say, uh, you are also doing <laughs> But that. those birds, they deserve extra money right now. You know, I'm giving them extra seed for all the work they're doing. <laughs> so, Bria, what is your first apocalypse pick? I'm going to start with a classic that I'm thinking of as more of a um, text rather than a uh, a book that you're reading to maybe understand. I think you're reading it to understand maybe people in a different time. Yeah. So um, Alas Babylon by Pat Frank. It's a slow burn apocalypse book. It was written in the 1950s. So 
you can really see how much time time has changed in the last 70 years. But um, if you think of it as, as a historical document, and remember, this is like post two world wars and peak nuclear fears, right? Wow. So this person, so Pat Frank wrote this book and it's basically about hunkering down and relying on your neighbors. Wow. Uh, I mean, it is a very white, cis, straight male book. Like, keep that in mind. That's why I'm saying to view it as a historical document. But um, it also is like, weirdly, uh, 80 years before its time, 70 years before its time, talking about the importance of living locally and being able to like uh, rely on your own resources. Yeah, That's what the book is essentially about. Um, it's, it's a fascinating read if you think about it in that way. Um, I don't think it's one that you're going to read and be like, this is how I survive. But it is like an interesting um, uh, piece of literature based on essentially exactly they're going through exactly what we're going through right now. It's just like people hunkering down. I will say quickly, uh, one thing that I have been doing that if folks, if you are friendly with your neighbors, they're great people to share reading material with. Mm -hmm. Um, I live, uh, most of the people in my apartment complex are really like I am either am friendly with them or I am actively friends with them. Uh, I have a friend named Maya who lives across, like right across the apartment complex from us. And her daughter, Evie, is a big reader. And so what I did yesterday was I took a bunch of books, like middle grade and YA books that I like am, have already read. And I wiped them all down with a, with a bleach wipe and put them in a bag and brought them over for her because she is running out of reading material and she yeah. doesn't e-read. She is uh, 12 years old and you know, getting, she's not in school. Her mom, I mean, luckily Evie is a super cool kid, but you know, we're awake for a lot of hours of the day and she needs stuff to do. So if you are friendly with your neighbors, ask them like, even if you've you don't know what they read, like that's something, a great conversation starter. Be like, Hey, do you read? What do you, you know, you can share board games. You can share a lot of stuff. I've been really, really happy to see how wonderful my apartment complex has been and like supporting all of supporting each other. Uh, So if you are, that's another, we didn't talk about this last week during our, what to do when you're reading and social isolation, but a great uh, resource that you might not even know about could be your neighbors. Just wipe those books down. Yeah. Wipe them down. What's your first pick? Uh, My first pick is Severance by Ling Ma. Uh, There's a lot, a lot of apocalypse books are like very genre books. uh, And I think some people who, you know, if they're not genre readers, they might be skipping those. So I wanted to put in something that's for, you know, the literary fiction people. This book is, it's an apocalypse book for sure, but it's very focused on just the main character. Um, so it's, it feels like a literary fiction book more than a genre book. Um, it's about this young woman and the beginning part of the book, she's just like having a rough time um, in her relationship. And she's like going through like what, like, are they breaking up? Are they not breaking up? She's having a rough time at her job. She's just like, experiencing millennial angst like many of us do um and then the apocalypse happens and that does not help and she ends up in this like traveling band of people and she's keeping a secret from them which i won't say uh but it's very introspective and it's like weirdly quiet for an apocalypse Mm -hmm. book because it's very focused she's not thinking a lot about it's not like focusing on what's happening during the apocalypse it's uh, it's focused on how her life is affected and how she's going to get through all of this. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't read this book. I'm surprised either. I think I, think you I would, have it upstairs. I think you'd like it. Mm-hmm. What's your next pick? Oh, Sean, We're, what's your first Sean pick? Sean has some apocalypse picks for us. Uh, first pick um, from the last time I experienced an apocalypse. Wait, when was the last time you experienced an apocalypse? When I was a young teenager. In Australia? What happened? I was a young teenager. Oh, <laughs> Um, I read a great YA series called Tomorrow When the War Began by John Marsden, which uh, 
was made into a not very good movie. So don't get distracted by that. <laughs> don't get distracted by the pretty pictures. Um, the it's like I think it's a seven novel series. Oh wow! Um, it's uh, a kind of a, a third world war scenario. Um, happens in Australia, and as a band of teenagers have gone camping for the weekend, and it happens while they're away, and you know everything that ensues. Very, uh, very fun read. Wow, Bria, what's your next pick? I'm going to go with um a. Cl- a- a soon-to-be classic. A classic. I will say this is a classic. It's, it's about 10 years old. It's The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Wicked um, dark. It's very dark. This is for those of you who, when you're like, I need to watch Contagion. These yeah. are the, I need to watch Contagion people. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read this book, these people have probably actually already read The Road, but maybe not. Um, it's terrifying. The movie's also terrifying, but the book is even more terrifying. With Viggo Mortensen. You know what? We... Me and Jeremy, when we were shopping for books the other day, we saw a book. I can't remember what book it was, but it had a blurb by Viggo Mortensen. Oh, wow. Is he a reader? Come on I, the show, Viggo. We're he's invited. a poet. What? Come yeah. on the show. Maybe that'll be my third poetry book I'll oh, read this yeah, year. Oh, yeah. But we were. I was looking at this book and I was like, it got blurb by Viggo Mortensen? What wow. the fuck? <laughs> um, this book combines many things that I... <laughs> Sean's all Twitter-pated about Viggo Mortensen. Um, things I like. Road trips. A man on a journey. Which empty. is not a woman, but it is a person. But you and you like an empty road. I like an empty road, and this is literally <laughs> that. It is a man and a boy walking down a road for an entire book, dealing with crazed post-apocalyptic people and post-apocalyptic scenarios, and also the sky is a horrible gray color. Maybe that's just in the movie. I can't remember if that was actually in the book. Um, there's one part of this book that scared me so bad that I was like, I don't know if I can keep reading this. Book. Oh shit! Uh, and I. It's basically just a series of things that happen along this road trip and them trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic landscape where there's no food. Um, it's horrifying. I, uh, if you want, if you liked Contagion, though, you like things that scare you, go for it. This is the book. What's your What's your next pick? Uh, my next pick is Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Uh, it's a new book. It came out last summer, uh, and it is a honker. Yeah, I got it from the library once, and then I'm sorry. I did not read oh, it. Oh, I, I have an arc of it. Chuck is a friend, oh. and he, he's an absolutely fucking fantastic writer. He's also a really good follow on Twitter, too. Uh, but he's absolutely amazing, and this book uh, is no different. So what's the epidemic in this book or the pandemic in this book is really interesting it's like an epidemic of sleepwalking that Mm. has taken over america um people just fall like they just start sleepwalking they won't wake up oh yeah Uh but they keep they're walking they're all walking in a a specific direction um and it's an amazing book because it's got like all the things you want it's got really great characters it focuses on multiple different people who are very different and experiencing this in a different way there's also the mystery of the source of what's happening with the sleepwalking to solve and it's just one of those huge sweeping stories that's great for reading in quarantine it's like Mm. over a thousand pages long so if you're like i got fucking nothing to do i want to hunker down hunker with a honker hunker with a honker (laughs) this is a great book to do it with i'm a little bit like the dreamers which i read earlier it was one of my favorite books last year which is about people who just fall asleep and they are waking up oh by karen thompson walker Mm -hmm. awesome Uh, So before we recommend more books, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, thanks for coming. Thank Thank you. you. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. We took the identifying marks off this podcast. Just tell me your impressions. It's really sexy. My first thought is like, Radiolab? Definitely something popular. Yeah, really popular. A hit show. But funny, too. Like... 
Does Tina Fey have a podcast? Or the Marx Brothers? Yeah, is this podcast Radiolab, but hosted by the Marx Brothers? And sexy, like Sade. It reminds me of Sade. Exactly. And they're all riding in a BMW. Close, but not quite. Take a look behind these panels. <gasps> and then watch this rocket blast off into space. Oh. And there's the pies we made you. <laughs> now, let's show you the podcast. Wow, it was Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? Hold on. Oh. Whoa. Ooh. Oh my goodness. That was 514 JD Power and Associates Podcasting Awards. That was really scary. But compelling. I guess I should definitely subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. And we're back. Sean, what is your next uh, apocalypse pick? Uh, my next apocalypse pick is uh, a book that I read maybe a decade after the first period. When you were no longer in yes, teen apocalypse? Exactly. I was in young young adult apocalypse and uh it was a book called how i live now by meg rossoff and uh again third world war scenario um by uh, i think it's a i think it's an american girl who goes to visit relatives in uh europe um kind of kind of similar theme but uh very different outcomes and uh it's probably written in a slightly more adult style than the John Marsden ones. Um, but yeah, very good. Also, I got one other thing. To speak to your um, neighborhood uh, not being selfish thoughts, um, the the nice man who lives next door, I, I, I saw him uh, stealing oranges from, <gasps> from my tree the other day. And Did you set a trap for him? No, I was like, you take those oranges. Yeah. We got plenty of oranges to spare and I, grapefruits. So people, I don't share have oranges. Fruit. If people want to give me some yeah. oranges, I'll say, I, mean, I know I'm gonna. Oh, okay, I'm gonna. I'll take some today. Uh, I will say I didn't even think about it, but this is probably a good time to check out your little free library if you have your library. If your local uh, neighborhood has one, just wipe those motherfuckers down. Wipe them down and share your fruit. Wipe them down, share your fruit. If <laughs> you learned anything today, uh, Bria, what's your next pick? I'm going to do a lighter one, one we've talked about on the show, friend, friend of, the of the show. show. We love Mike. Uh, Mike Chen wrote this book called A Beginning at the End, um, which is a lighter apocalyptic book. It's Mike actually, Chen is like the only man in the world who could write a feel-good apocalypse I know, book. I know. It's a, it's almost like a post-post-apocalypse. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, because there's been an epi- there's been an apocalypse. A bunch of people died. Uh, society is starting to rebuild. So it's not even, like, dystopian. It's just... Society is rebuilding and people have to decide what's going on with them. It's like essentially where we will all be in a few months. Yeah. Because um, this, this, for good ways and bad, this is definitely going to change the world a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it definitely is. Um, during Mike's apocalypse, um, there's a pop star who um, basically didn't want to be a pop star anymore and, uh, and, and left her father, who was sort of her manager person. And it sent the, the book, the story kind of centers around her and a few other people. Her father's now looking for her. She doesn't want him to find her. Um, she teams up with another, a, 
another father, not her father, and a daughter who lost their (laughs) mother. A father, not her father. And an event planner. Because can you imagine what it would be like being an event planner during this time? And then you're like, you can can have events again. Oh, yeah. Probably how my poor publicist feels. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. It's like part sort of, it has a road trip element to it, which I enjoy. Post-apocalypse. Um... Part thriller, part romance. A little bit of a romance happening. Um, But it's also just like these people trying to get through their lives, which I really appreciate. Yeah, that's like your favorite apocalypse thing. It definitely, definitely is. Uh, What is your next pick? My next pick is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Also road trip. Also road trip. It's also very Mm -hmm. post-post-apocalypse. It's the kind of thing where like this generation either was very young when the apocalypse happened or wasn't alive at all. Yeah, maybe that's the definition of a post-post-apocalypse where you don't remember it. Yes. Yeah. Um, This book was super popular probably, and I know it's probably very popular right now. It's funny. I saw Emily Sean Mandel tweeting. She was like, maybe wait a little while to read this book. Uh, But I do want to recommend it in case it's one of those buzzy books that someone has been meaning to read for years. Yeah, it's great. Uh, This is your cue. Pick this motherfucker up. It's not super long. Uh, It's about America years and years after an apocalypse. And like, there's a traveling Shakespearean acting troupe that is like traversing the country. Um, and they're like weird encounters with like a weird kind of cult situation. And like the woman who is dealing with her own issues as she's traveling, it is so fucking good. Mm. One of my favorite parts of the book is when they find, um, I'm going to talk about this in a way that doesn't spoil it, but at some point they find a museum for old stuff Mm -hmm. and it is so cool. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's really well written. There's a reason this book was very popular. And she has a new book out either. She has a new book. I can't remember what it is, but if she has a few other books, so if you love this, you can definitely check out her other stuff. Um, what's your next pick, Bria? Uh, my oh, this is your last pick. This is my last pick, and then I did reach out to friend of the show, Brazos, Brazos, librarian Brazos, and also um, friend of the show, but no one knows it probably. Uh, my friend Jeff, uh, and they had some recommendations, which I'll just throw in there. At Reading the end. glasses has some secret allies. Secret, secret ally. Um, uh, I had a lot of trouble because I was also like, is this apocalypse or post-apocalypse? Is it happening now or is it post? So anyway, I did another post, um, which is Parable of the Sower by, Oct- by Octavia Butler. There's Ooh. a series of these. Um, this book is amazing. I love the world it sets up. It's like a post-apocalyptic re-beginning restarting book like a group of people in a post-apocalypse and they've been living in it for a minute and then essentially it's about this one girl who um is hyper empathetic so she basically can like she feels what everyone feels to like a huge extent um and she creates a new religion and it is incredible it will move you a lot it also has some stuff about preparedness i remember there being acorn bread acorn bread was a big part of it that feels like one of those things like you know when you read like a book about with all like with small forest creatures as mm. being the main character. Like uh, me and Jeremy have been playing this um, uh, board game called Everdell, mm. which is kind of like uh, Settlers of Catan, but with small woodland creatures. And oh, instead cute. of like hoarding wheat, you're hoarding berries and twigs. And but I, like within an hour of playing with it, of playing it, you're like, wow, a little berry pie sounds like it would be good. Yeah. Like, you get like in the in the head of like uh, like a fantasy. F- forest creature and you're like acorn bread that sounds great acorn bread sounds amazing it does sound amazing the, the book makes it sound delicious that sounds although it probably would not be very good i have no idea what an acorn t- tastes like 
I don't think you, Sean, can you eat acorns? Yeah, yeah, you can eat acorns. You can, you can literally I mean, make you can eat bread. anything if you're brave enough. No, no, but no, no, I think you can make acorn bread. It's a thing. You can make a flower I'm from watching acorns. the wheels in Sean's yeah, brain. You can turn. make flour from it. I, I know people who've done it. Uh, what is your last pick, Mallory? My last pick is the uh, graphic novel that I talked about on the show a while ago called Woman World by Aminder Dhaliwal. Uh, it's probably one of the most lighthearted post-apocalyptic books you'll ever read. Uh, it is a graphic novel and it is by a woman of color. Um, and I talked about it on the show a while ago. It's just lovely. Uh, the narrative arc of it is very loose. It's not like a, a book that is going to grab you and keep you enthralled because it started out um, as a bunch of one-off comics on her Instagram. So some of the pages are just like single little scenes that like don't connect to the overarching plot too much. So it's not, again, it's not like a gripping read. But it is, um, it's so sweet. It's so hopeful. It's a story about a world where all the men have died and all the women are trying to rebuild society. Um, one character is this little girl who finds an old DVD case of, when they don't, they can't play, they have no electricity. They can't play anything. And she finds this DVD case of Paul Blart Mall Cop and becomes really obsessed with it. Yeah. She's never seen a man before. Oh, yeah. So she's like, is this what all men did? This is what, this is like, Paul Blart becomes like the archetype of a man That's for her. And she funny. becomes really obsessed with it. Yeah. It is so good oh, wow. it is uh it's really sweet it's really nice if you need something to like make you laugh or just be a little bit more lighthearted right now uh that's a really great thing to read um and then just a few more i'm gonna throw in there um from brazos and jeff um orcs and crake which is a um which is a margaret atwood um book that i also really enjoyed um and all of the sequels um fire us series do you know this no. Oh, this is one uh, Brazos recommends. Um, also, White Plague, Earth Abides, The Stand, um, and uh, Blindness. And, of course, The Passage, which is one I thought of but didn't include. Also, we, a Honker. Yeah, but we've talked about it on the show a lot. We have. And also, American War, which is a great post-apocalypse oh, yeah, yeah, book yeah. that I also really very much enjoyed. They also recommended a couple of... Um, <clears throat> Of nonfiction books that I haven't read, uh, One Dead in the Attic by Chris Rose um, and Un The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace Wells, which uh, sounds about right right now. Um, yeah. Anyway, reach out to your friends. They're going to have suggestions, too. Also, speaking of apocalypse stuff, I want to add really quickly um, something that we didn't talk about in the last episode, and we just got an email about it right now. Um, Libro FM is a is a um, audiobook company and they are have some having something um when when you start a membership and use the code shop bookstores now you'll get two audiobooks for the price of one which is 14.99 and you pick your local bookstore and a hundred percent of the proceeds go to that local bookstore oh that's so right so it just emailed me and i live very close to skylight books so it says you'll get two audiobooks for the price of one 14.99 and 100 percent of your payment goes to skylight books oh that's great wow. so you can buy if you want to instead of uh, doing Audible, which is through Amazon, you can get a Libro FM account, buy your audiobooks, and uh, all of that money goes to your local indie. Oh my God, that's amazing. So that's Libro FM. And you can also uh, buy a one month audiobook gift membership for 15 bucks for somebody. Oh, so even if you don't want to do audiobooks, you can buy them for someone. Um, and all of that money goes to your local bookstore. That's I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's pretty cool. If you want to recommend your favorite apocalypse books to us, you can tweet them at Reading G Podcast on Twitter and we'll retweet them. Uh, we'll get a thread of recommendations going when this episode drops. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. This is this is one of those like very specific book problems that I fucking live for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So Lillian in Louisiana writes, I recently had to move back into a less than ideal living situation after having a reading renaissance while away. And I found that I don't have anywhere decent to sit and do my reading. My bed doesn't work for me. I read on both a Kindle and paper books, but I find neither comfortable in bed. I can't read in the living room with the couch because of my roommates. My friend gave me a cushion meant to be used while sitting up, but it isn't comfortable for me for more than 10 minutes. The amount I've read has gone down considerably and I miss it desperately. The only time I get any reading done is when I go outside to places like Barnes and Noble or the library, but this is impractical every day and still limits my reading when I get home and is probably not very, not uh, very handy right now when mm-hmm. we're all stuck in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any advice on how to create a comfortable reading space? I don't really have anywhere to put a chair because of all my bookcases. Also, possible hot reader tip for Libby users looking to widen their options. Just saying, this is separate from the reader problem, but just a hot book tip from Lillian. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Sean. <laughs> I have nine library cards on my Libby account, partially because I've lived in so many places, but also because I actively searched out places that allow you to sign up for a library card online. Because of this, I have access to the Chicago Library, the Bromley Library System in England, and the Tasmanian Library in Australia. Right. Hell yeah. (laughs) Bria. Well, first off, hot reader tip. Wow, hot reader tip. I just have to respond. Uh, We've had some people write in before saying this tip, like that I think the person, last person wrote in had three Lillian has fucking nine. Nine is so many. It's incredible. Anyway. Um, I feel for Lillian. I had roommates a few years ago. Um, I couldn't read my living room either. And so I completely get you. There was a TV in there and that was it. And there was also the living room was like also the kitchen. You know, it was like one of those big things. Yeah. So it was just like not possible. N- no fault of my roommates. It's just like you don't want to. Yeah. Take up that space. Um, I also had the smallest room you've ever been in in your entire life when I lived there. It was essentially. <laughs> I just imagine you, so, someone pulling a drawer out and you're inside. inside and I'm reading a book. Um, <laughs> so what I did, which maybe is not convenient for everyone, is that I made, um, I like working on the floor. I do floor space. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to read and do all my work in my bed because. You need to, especially when you work from home, you need to separate a little bit. You have to separate, right? So I, um, what I would do is I would read on the floor. I could, I would put a little short coffee table down and that would be like my desk and I would sit like cross-legged at the desk and then I would put it next to my bed and so you can lean back on the bed. This is not for everyone. I just enjoy a little bit of floor space. You can get a floor pillow, sit on the floor. I find it very comfortable. I like being low to the ground and I like having my legs squished up next to me no matter where I am. I kind of always like... I like to be close to my own legs. <laughs> <laughs> On a plane, I like to, don't be judgy. I like to sit with my legs up in the seat. I'm the same way though. I have a weird thing where like, no, it's rude. It's I so have rude. a weird problem with my hips. Oh. So I don't, I can't like sit normally in a chair for a while. Like I mm. like to have my, I always have my feet up under me or my, same. like that's part of, when we record the show, I always sit in this like weird kneeling chair. Yeah. No. Partially because like I like to, I like to move my legs around. So I, mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah. But that's my suggestion. Maybe create a floor space, a floor space in your room that's not your bed, but it's somewhere else. Like that is, you don't necessarily need a chair for it. You can actually do it in a very small amount of space because you can move shit around. You can pull your little floor pillow out and have it available and then put it back under your bed when you're, when you're done. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your suggestion for Lillian? I have a weird solution uh, that is some hardcore tiny apartment living shit. Uh, But I think uh, Lillian should get a collapsible reading chair. Oh, I love this. That's great. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean like a camping chair, although Lillian can try that if 
she wants to. Some people find those really comfy. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean like one of those like a butterfly chair or like what Potter, Pottery Barn calls like a hang around chair. It's like a metal collapsible frame that you basically like hang a cushion or like a like a piece of fabric over and you uh, can collapse it. That's the great thing. So I'm looking at the photo. Oh, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, I used to call this a papa dong. Is that a thing? A papa dong? Is that is that a food? I don't know. It's a food. What did what did I call this? I swear that's what we called that when I was a kid. Papa Dom. Nope, that's giving me recipes. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what that. That's what I call those. But yes, I see what you're saying. If you look up the Pottery Barn one, yeah. So Lily can bust it out when it's time to read and then collapse it, slide it in the closet, put it under her bed. Uh, Most of them are under a hundred bucks, but I bet you could also hunt around for a used one as well. So that way I get it. You don't have, like, I don't really have a chair in my bedroom right now. I also live with a roommate. I'm very lucky that Kate is awesome and I can read wherever the fuck I want, except for her bedroom, I guess. (laughs) But she's really cool. She walks in and you're like, what? I'm like, uh, I'm reading. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) She's also, Kate is a really good friend and she's awesome. But, um. This I don't. My, the only thing in my bedroom is my bed, and it's also cat furniture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so you can. T- so Lillian would be able to have take this chair out, put it wherever she wants, by by the window. Um, this would be a, also. I would recommend a reading light to go with this too, because obviously there's not going to be a spot, probably not a place where she can have a lamp. Or I know some bedrooms don't have like an overhead light. I know mine doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she can put it away whenever she's done. Mm-hmm. Um. And take that, uh, and if you got one of the ones with the big squishy cushions, you can like take it off and sit it sit on it on the floor. You, you can move it to the floor. You can do both. You can mm-hmm. combine both me and Bria's suggestions. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. Especially now, but always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and all of our amazing moderators over at our Facebook group uh, and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us, and uh, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags, shirts, stickers, and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to support us for free, we really need it right now, uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It, uh, bright, brightens our day, uh, especially when we're stuck inside. It's it's lovely to see the p- folks who give us five star reviews and then talk about how we help them get back into reading or help them feel seen as a reader. We read those, and it's funny because I won't read my book reviews, but I will read the reading glasses reviews. No, nice. I don't know I why. Don't them. I I peek at them every once in a while. Yeah, uh, and see the people who who are mad at us for swearing, but I also see the really nice people. Yeah. Um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. And if you want to check out the uh, Isolation Book Club, that's hashtag Isolation Book Club. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. Sometimes the devil comes to people in stories, the unexpected visitor with a pleasing voice. The devil is not supposed to show up in life. The devil is not supposed to be in living rooms in Pittsburgh in the autumn twilight, sitting on the green sofa from Martin's big discount furniture in a room magnetically pointed at the television. And yet, there he was, from The Vanishing Stair by Maureen Johnson. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.